Hey everyone, welcome to the GIST Podcast. If you're tired of being comfortable and want to take on living life from the context of 100%, fuck yeah. Join us each week as we share lessons we're experiencing in this crazy game called life. We invite you to play along and get your shit together. Take responsibility for how your life is currently going and at the same time, take on new, fun, and sometimes crazy shit. We promise to challenge your thinking by being vulnerable, authentic, and straight up with what we're dealing with, what doesn't work, and what can. Be warned, this is not your grandma's podcast. All right, so we are um, we're gonna get the slap out of the way. Well, should we talk about it first? We'll talk about it after. He's just so excited and eager to do this. We'll just. Uh... I want this content. And then don't you hold out on me. Well, you're you're going to get the content. So um, you'll get it from a couple angles. Just, just count okay. it down. I'll be gentle. Okay, so this oh. one, I want to, yeah, because I am a lefty. Oh, fuck. I'm just prepared for this side of my face. <laughs> now I got emotions coming up from here. <laughs> okay, you ready? It's coming down to three. Why would I come just to you? Just do it. Oh, God. It, there's always like a ringing and a burning feeling. <laughs> oh God, I hate that. I hate that so much. You know, what, I've been slapped. What a way to start a podcast. <laughs> he can't even hold it in. He's laughing so hard. Oh, it's so funny. It's so funny. Ha <laughs> ha. I'm emotional right now, guys. So I'm sorry. I can't be on your level. But I'm glad you enjoyed it. There is something so emotionally triggering about being slapped by another man that I don't know how to hack. People are so reactive to things. I'm surprised anybody would have found that funny. I mean, I guess, yeah, I'd be hurting myself. It's kind of funny. Okay. So, we have a guest, and I just slapped him. My face hurts now. It's burning. <laughs> Bring your mic a little closer. Um, unfortunately, Vern couldn't make it today, this morning, and uh, in Wakefields, I guess, uh, wasn't, wasn't also able to make it. And it's all good. So I am here with my brother. Mm. And um, my brother is, he's, he's, he's done a lot. He is one of the oldest competitive athletes in the province when it comes to parkour. And uh, has been training and coaching parkour for the last 10 years. In his free time, he helps run a stunt group called Optimal Movement. It's a motley crew of free runners, acrobats, and tracers, and they have performed all over Alberta so far. Through all of that, Patrick has experienced some big failures in his competition performances. He saw what happens when you do what you love from the place of having to win versus the love of doing it. He's traveled and explored Europe, East Asia, and Japan, and got pulled into a reality TV show after landing in Japan. He ended up having a group of people with cameras follow him around, recording everything he did for most of his trip. In a past life, he commanded his own agent, alien legion in the great wars of the Caprulo sector <laughs> in the Diamond Leagues of StarCraft. Oh, okay. <laughs> I never said that. And at his core, Patrick loves to entertain, loves to explore, and will always try something new. At least once. Damn straight. Yeah, so so welcome. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited about everything you 
doing here? Yeah, I, I saw that when you came in, and, and Patrick actually thought we were recording in the other room, which, <laughs> With no mics which had nothing. no mics, and he's like, and he was still very excited it about it. It actually looks cool out there. Yeah. So I'm just like, he's this like, is oh, way well, better than my So this is what we're doing, eh? Like, no, over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome, dude. Great setup. I love to see this growing. I'll be honest, like in the beginning, I didn't think too much about it. I'm just like, yeah, it's one of David's, like crazy side projects that he's doing because you're always up to something yeah some sort of creative ambition and i'm just like i'll support him i'll support him oh for however long this will last but it's really grown into something that i've been impressed with i've been listening to them pretty regularly um and you know the funniest thing was i never really was into this sort of thing until after mike moved away Right. Um, and he was always trying to get me to watch Joe Rogan. He's like, yeah, listen to this Joe Rogan podcast. You've got to watch this Joe Rogan podcast. And I was always like, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, I'll get to it. And it's because he was a tile setter. So I guess he had a lot of time to just do like a monotonous just, job. Yeah, have something in the background. He just had something in the background. And with my work, it was usually like problem solving oriented. So I didn't have like a lot of attention I could have diverted to, uh, you know, information being explained to me from like a podcast. Or at least that was the story I told myself. And then after he moved away, I missed him a ton. And I know he's listening to this right now. Or he will be eventually. It's Miss you, buddy. Life. Miss you, buddy. Um, Where is he again? He's in Gabriola Island. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, really cool place. Um, anyways, I just started watching them. And uh, wow, it was actually extremely informative. Especially now with the political atmosphere the way it is. And coming from a group of people that was placing an emphasis on not knowing anything about global politics. And... It seems kind of scary being thrusted into like the craziness that's going on right now. So when they when they talk about it or he has guests on to talk about it, it's just like, ah, oh, these are topics that I'm interested in, but don't know how to talk about with other people maybe because it's mm-hmm. always so sensitive. Right. Um, and I have my own opinions, but I realize I have biases and it's always nice to see like him bring on professionals or people with accolades. Like he had Neil deGrasse Tyson. He had uh, uh, Elon Musk. Like he had so many fascinating people that i've never seen do any live interviews before anyways so one of the one of the biggest reasons for for the just life and and this podcast is part of the medium for us telling story is to get under get under people who are not known yet who who are up to some pretty cool stuff and um have never really been given the 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 chance or really knew how or didn't even th- realize it was a thing to uh, to actually drive and, and create more awareness around what what they're up to, what they've done, their past experiences, uh, and Calgary is a a rich uh, a rich cross section of of people and talent and story and and so this is why we're doing the Just Life. Uh, we'll be doing um, we're doing a performance at um, at Theater Grand to bring more of the poetry to places where it uh, wouldn't normally have a presence. And, uh, and this is part of, of many initiatives that we're looking to create uh, a platform for storytelling. So whether it's the podcast, whether it's um, a documentary, uh, the video that we create, uh, I'm really interested and curious about what it would look like to create a comic book Mm. that starts to, uh, showcase and 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 create some of these stories from people and i have no idea what that looks like but um it's a clever idea yeah i i think and there are so many of those and and given my background it just seemed like a really natural fit to to explore it and and try and find out Mm -hmm. and then having people like aaron um aaron's managed to 
not manage, but, but he takes on the audio so that I don't have to manage it. And then I can actually be with people, which is, was really my, my big thing right now is to be with people, uh, to understand people, to, to, to be able to understand myself and inside of starting to understand people. So that's why we're doing what we're doing here. Anyways. So I, I slapped my brother at the beginning of the episode. I feel better now. It doesn't hurt anymore. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> the ringing's gone. I gotta say there, there is, uh, there is something about the act of doing that, that is, uh, uncomfortable on my side <laughs> and, and at the Worst. same time, very liberating, <laughs> validating, validating. <laughs> well, you know, not necessarily that it's just like. I don't know. The the it is a very visceral thing. I mean, certainly visceral on on your side because you're the one experiencing the tingles. Plus, I know you're still at risk for it too. So when you get to dish it out, you're like, Man, I really don't want to feel this. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Gives you totally. motivation it, not to it, make it a totally mistake. Totally does because I can feel it in my hand, right? <laughs> like it's not like it doesn't hurt my hand. Oh my god, you guys are hurting your hands, laughing me. I thought we talked about this rule. <laughs> Uh, I'm just kidding. You know, I'm not hitting too hard, but I mean, if you're hitting me so hard that your hand hurts, I feel like that. Well, be... I wouldn't say it hurts, but I feel. I you feel, feel it. it. Yeah, you feel the tingle. So I, I slapped my brother, and uh, it was super fun. And there was a reason behind it. <clears throat> we had this. Uh, we set up a contract. Uh, where Where did that come from again? Yeah. So there was an audiobook that um, I heard about from a podcast called The School of Greatness. And the audiobook is a book as well. Uh, it's Atomic Habits. I don't actually remember the author's name. I feel kind of foolish right now. But I'll post it though. Yeah, it's an amazing audiobook, and it's given me so much information and tools uh, to just sort of redefine my life. Because uh, I'm in my 30s now, and I have many of the same, you know, habits that I've had since high school. You know, staying up late and not prioritizing my time, and I'm just kind of done with it. Um, but the problem is, you know, you. <laughs> You start these bad habits and the bad habits happen because they're frictionless. You know, you just, there, there's no consequences for doing the bad habit. You don't really notice the consequences until maybe far later in life. Let's just say if it's bad eating, for example, or poor sleeping right. or um, not exercising regularly. You know, in the moment when you make those decisions, there's no real consequence for it. You just, in fact, there's usually a, a perk because now you don't have to exercise or now you don't totally. have to get yeah, out of bed. I'm going to watch some Netflix. <laughs> watch some Netflix. Yes, you kind of get that instant gratification as opposed to the delayed gratification. Um, so I was just looking for some book or some new concept or approach. Not even necessarily new because I wouldn't say these are new. And, and that audiobook, he never makes that claim either. But it's kind of like he's presenting the same information but in a fresh way uh, that's easy for me to understand. And... Yeah, it's essentially like adding friction to the bad habits so that the good habits are technically the easier choice, you know? Uh, and that's kind of, the habit contract is one of many methods that he has to accomplish this. And the idea is you make an agreement with somebody that is your accountability partner. Um, that way, you know, they also hold you to your word because I'm guilty for this, but there's many times where I'll say I'll do something and then when push comes to shove, I don't do it. And so I sort of dishonor my word and I get to a point where I can no longer trust myself. And that's, that's And you serious. don't even realize that you can't trust yourself because yeah. you just keep, you just keep doing it. You're yeah. running the operating system and you're wondering why it's not working. Why, why isn't anything working? And why do I feel so bad? And why do you feel so bad? I don't understand, you know, and it's easy because you're just not honoring your word. You're not acting in integrity. And that has been a really chief thing for me because in the podcast School of Greatness, he talks about defining your core values. And this is like, 
I don't know, you probably know about all this already, but for me, this is like a different, it's a different side of personal development because I've been really focusing on the spiritual side, you know, with parkour and with um, certain tantra practices and and some Buddhism and, you know, Vipassana meditation and, um, you know, the music festival scene, which I'm kind of over now. Um, I was looking more in experiential based, you know, wisdom. And uh, and then when we did, um, you probably remember... uh, that um, group that we were part of for a brief period of time, it was, we went to their workshops and they had... Um, this was local? Yeah, I'm trying to, I can't believe I can't remember what they're called now, but you were really about them for a while. And we were trying to get mom and dad on them. You talking about Landmark? Yes. Oh, God. I can't even remember. Uh, Landmark had a pretty big impact on me too. And it was more of the intellectualized side of um, being a better person. Yeah, yeah. But I haven't dabbled as much in, like, you've made vision boards and you've done, you know, you've paid for courses and you've worked with, uh, I think, mentors or life coaches. Lots of coaches. Yeah, I never really done that, you know. So this is kind of a new thing for me. But there's, like, defining core values. What are your ethics? Like, these are deep questions that take a lot of time to think about. So, so long story short, and I'm not digging on you. Oh, yeah, sorry. But I am digging on you. Okay. So we ended up, uh, what, what came out of there was this contract, right? Yeah. Uh, and you saw something for yourself as, like, an access point for you to take on something that you've not been able to take on powerfully in, in your world for Forever, really. For a really long time, yes. And and ha- adding some uh, some le- a level of accountability. Now, was the the slapping that was created by us? That wasn't part of. Well, yeah. Um, the idea was just to like come up with a consequence that was quick yeah. and painful, but not like so painful that it was like unbearable. That you don't want to do it. Again. That I don't want to yeah. do it. You know, because the like in the book Atomic Habits, he talks about creating friction for your bad habits. Uh, and so I needed it to be immediate friction so that basically the alternative doing the good habit was way more preferable than enduring the consequences of sort of binging the bad habit. And so in my case, it was simple. It's like get up at 8 a.m. and do some stretching and, you know, push ups in the morning, just 10 push ups in the morning um, and then you know, meditate. But the real thing for you was to get up early. <laughs> was, was to get up early. That, yeah. That's your biggest um a milestone that, that you're really hurt oh, that you're really wanting to to hit right because you've not no. you're, you're quote unquote the, the the night owl well and it was like i'd wake up early just to go back to bed so it's like i'd wake up yeah 8 a.m i've deserved 30 minutes news and then it'd be like two hours go by and I'd be like, oh, <laughs> oh shit nice. yeah so having to like send that and i had to send david a video of me doing push-ups which was like I have to be awake now. I can't go back That's to right. bed. You can't say you did it. Yeah. And I'm not going to do push-ups and go back to bed because right. that is so stupid and lame. Then I'm just like, at what point am I like dishonoring my word again? You know. Well, and, and at the end, really at the end of the day, when, when that, if you were to take that action, you are not honoring yourself exactly. and, and that self-worth or the lack thereof that starts to show up, yeah. man, that is not a thing that you want to carry around. No. And you're carrying, and you're creating it. You're carrying it around, and it's about you. And it's so, so like the fingers are always pointing at you all the time because you know what you did, yeah. whether you are willing to listen to it or hear it or not. Yeah, and I mean, you're my accountability partner, but I can't be like David will take care of me, or I'll do things to avoid having like you're my new dad or Hence something. Hence the slap. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so it was something that um, was visceral, uh, that got you that knocked some sense into what it was, like reminded you of what the game is that you're playing. 
Well, yeah, because the first week I made no mistakes. Yeah, yeah, Because totally. the, the idea of it's getting like, slapped was you know, really bad. And then I don't like, I always have to pay him five bucks, which sucks too, because it's just not a lot of money, but it's In still money yeah, that, that's gone. And, and it's not just Dave, uh, my other uh, friend Rob is part of this. So I technically get slapped by two people yeah. and I have to pay five bucks to two people. Yeah. So like when I had to endure it with Rob, oh. I hated it so much, and then the thought of I got to do this another time, knowing that it's coming. And then again. another one's coming again. That is like I can't afford to make these mistakes anymore because <laughs> this sucks so much worse than just getting up and doing all my stuff. Uh, and the fact is, getting up early and having doing and having done my morning ritual has been such a rewarding uh, and nurturing thing that it's like, you know, it's so funny. I'm like, why couldn't I have started this sooner? But because, you know, the bad habits were easy to binge. And now the bad habits suck. They're worse. They're way worse. Yeah. So, like, there's no way I want to You're actually that. seeing it from a different lens. Yeah. Uh, and, and you're seeing that it's, it's actually a disservice. Oh, yeah. Even though you've created for so long that it's been... My go-to. It's the thing. It's who you are. It's what yeah. you do. It's my identity. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Uh, and, and getting that, 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 that actually is not the case. Um. So you did a lot of traveling, and uh, I, I really enjoy the stories you you tell about your trip into in, Asia. And um, without going into the stories too much, and and just kind of like giving some some top level talk about it, <laughs> some top level context. I'd really love to know what that created for you, what what that gave you. And when, when did that happen? How, how long ago that was, was that? That was in 2013. Now? So a little, a little more than five, five years ago or so. Yeah. Um, hitting, I guess, six. Oh, God, you know. Getting older, man. Yeah, it's just like it feels like it was just last year, and I'm like, can't wait to get back out there. I'm just going to be in Calgary for a little bit, save up some money, and go back out there. And, then it's, and like, it's been five years. Yeah, almost a decade, yeah, or at least half a decade. So, yeah, 2013, I did all that. And it actually just started out as... Um, a bet with a friend because we always talked about going and we never did it. So in 2012, it's like, why don't we just buy the tickets in 2013 and then we'll save up money to that point. And it's like, you know, if we don't go, we just lost all that money. So I guess, I guess in a way, it's another we're kinda, version of yeah, the slap. Totally. I guess in a way we kind of created this consequence if we didn't follow through with this thing that we wanted to do and it worked, it ended up working because, um, but what happened? Well, uh, for me in general, I, I guess it was just like learning how to be an independent human being and maybe plan ahead a little bit because <laughs> there were some situations I found myself in that could have been avoided if I had just put some thought into what I was doing. Versus just running Instead of just going by the seat of my and, pants, you yeah. know, and just flying by. Yeah, because something happened to your buddy, right? He obliterated his knee because Matt, my friend, had just opened up the parkour gym, the very first one here in Calgary. And I guess during... Um, because he was, Nick was part of the, um, part of renovating it and making it all happen. And, and he was just burning himself out. And so then he was part of the demo team and he was just demonstrating the obstacles that they created to all the customers or clientele that were coming to check it out. And he just, <laughs> it must not have been a great demonstration either. Because I guess he did something very simple uh, off of this obstacle that, frankly speaking, seemed to have hurt a lot of people. Right, probably they, shouldn't have They called it the rocket box, but it took so many people's like legs and knees and ankles out. Oh my goodness, that that's horrible. Uh, and it didn't even look that dangerous, but I think people just would tackle it when they were too tired. And that was the case for Nick. He took it and he must have been exhausted and it was a very simple accident, but changed his life forever. And that was three days before we had to leave. 
Nice. And he did all the planning. And he did all the planning. All the planning. He had everything figured out. And I was just going to hang out with him and let him call all the shots. Kind of like what we did when we were running In that Germany. restaurant. Yeah. You, you, were, uh, you were just looking for another bigger brother. <laughs> yeah, dude. Hey, man, can totally. you take care of me while I have He's fun? He's younger than me, too, by like six years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so yeah. great. Exactly. So, so to give you some context, Patrick is, is my youngest brother um, of two brothers, one of, of which is no longer around. Um, and so, so there was always that, that era of, um, it's okay. They've got me. Like, I don't have to worry about it too much. <laughs> Pretty much my whole life actually. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it, it also turned into, it can turn into a handicap if you don't, Codependency. if you don't like step into and own, um, your own, your own path, your own direction, your own journey. Right. So, so he obliterated his knee and, um, and, and now you're going and now you're going. Yeah. To oh, Japan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And no yourself. one speaks English. Everybody said they speak English, but they don't. I went to the airport, the Narita airport, and there's no, there no translators. There was nothing. I was just flabbergasted by how much those TV shows lied to me. Because <laughs> I thought for sure, you know, from all the cartoons I've watched and from all the TV, well, the those, live TVs. Those were definite sources like that you could rely on for Not information. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I feel people warn me about that. They're like, Patrick, Japan isn't like those cartoons you watch. Like, right. yeah, they are. So you got there and, uh, and right away, like magic, the, the, the magic of the journey of the adventure began for you. Actually, it was more like a, a horrible worry and anxiety. <laughs> Cause like I was on the airport and I was in the airplane and I think it was like halfway on the airplane ride. I realized I have no idea what I'm doing when I land. I got to figure this out. Like, how do I get my uh, bullet train pass? How do I figure out where I'm staying? Because Nick had told me where the hostel was, uh, but I had no idea how to get to it. And I didn't and speak I don't any think Japanese. Was Google Google Maps a thing back then? Like that it, you were it was. easy to access? It was, but it didn't help me find anything. Man. Right. Like, I don't know oh, why I was awesome. so incompetent, but I was just, because I remember, well, I'll get into it later, but I was so useless on my own. Like, it was actually shocking and so when i landed in the airport and i'm sitting and waiting for my luggage to show up in that little you know conveyor belt i got hit with this huge case of anxiety and i guess you could say i was out of my comfort zone for sure at that point because i guess at that whole point i was like yeah willy-nilly about it and then suddenly it dawned on me i'm like i'm on my own in another country where no one speaks english where at least no one i can see here speaking english and i don't know what i'm doing yeah oh man yeah so that was bad i felt really bad and so i was kind of nervously Maybe I looked like a spectacle, as far as I know, because that's when the TV crew came. They just found me. Not, and I not feel like just, they might have been obvious. <laughs> not just a random person, Samaritan, but a fucking TV crew That was found really intimidating, you. yeah. Because they cornered me. There Cam- wasn't even like Cameras and everything. Yeah, they just like surrounded me and like stuck mics in my face and started asking me when I was in Japan and what I'm doing here. And I just thought they were like some news station. They're yeah, just yeah. desperate for some kind of story. Oh, a white guy. Let's ask him why he's here. Like, <laughs> So what happened after that? I told them, um, because at this point in my career with parkour, I kind of had an ego. And this didn't help my ego either, I'll tell you, man. Um, and so I was like, I do parkour. <laughs> I'm a parkour athlete. And of course, they what, have no idea what that is. It was is. how you defined yourself, yeah. really. And it's still a big part of my identity, but it's less about the, look how great I am. And it's more not about, about parkour, but what yeah. it gives you. But really. what it supplied for me, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, and they're just like, can you demonstrate? And it's like an airport. You've been to an airport before. It's mostly just open space with some escalators. And I'm like, ah, I could jump off this escalator, baby. Like, I didn't want to do anything that was really dangerous because also at that time, my parkour level wasn't that high. 
I was better, um, but it still wasn't nowhere near where I'm at right now. And um, I was like, well, what would be the most entertaining thing? Well, what does everybody want to see? Everybody wants to see backflip. It's all people care about. They just want to see a backflip. If you show them a backflip, they'll lose their mind. And if you show it to them again, they don't care. They've lost complete interest. That's why I have a rule where so I only a, do it a, once. It's a one-time thing. And people get so annoyed or mad at me because I'll just do it once and they'll rip out their phone and be like, can you do it again? Can you do it again? And I'm sorry, that was just a one-time show only. I'll do it again for five bucks. And that's when they're just like, ah, they just leave. <laughs> or they'll, they'll call me a name. We had one woman so mad at us, she was like insulting, like flinging insults at us. Oh my God. And I'm like, people, why? People are crazy. So entitled sometimes. But I just did this terrible backflip. Mind you, I was on an airplane for nine hours, so it was like, yeah, that didn't help. No, so I stuck the landing, but it was gross. And everything looked bad. I could only imagine how horrible it was. But they lost their mind. They're like, ah, they're like, and the, and everyone else in the airport was like, I don't know, watching and and in amazement too. And I'm just, it did not help my ego because at that point I felt like, yeah, that's right, that's everybody, right. I'm here, <laughs> I have arrived, I have arrived. <laughs> and so then they just asked, well, where am I going? What am I doing? I'm like, well, I'm struggling to find how to get my bullet prep, like how do I get my bullet pass? And they're just like, oh, well, I can help you with that. Because one of them was a translator, right? Uh, so she just helped me get all of my shit in order. It was awesome. And she got me on the bullet train. But the thing that weirded me out was they came with me. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, okay, this interview is going on for are, a real are you, long Are you time. guys going the same direction I Yeah. Am? Honestly, I told myself that story. I right. had this, because I never asked them what this was. Right. I just assumed it was this TV interview. Uh, and I'm like, wow, these are some dedicated journalists. Because I even remember passing out on the bullet train and then waking up. And they had all their cameras fixed on me and they're just watching me. And I'm just like, <laughs> you're watching me sleeping. And it's just, how entertaining could that possibly be? But So you're on the bullet train yeah. and you're on your way to your, your hostel. You got to your hostel. No, I got lost. And yeah. they refused to help me. They wouldn't tell me how to get to my hostel. Because what I didn't know at the time was they're just kind of, you know, taking video of me doing what I should be doing naturally, you know? The idea was that I wasn't supposed to know that they were there. They were supposed to just be the, um, the fly on the wall, so to speak. But I knew that they were there, and I didn't know what this was. So I was always looking at them, being like... So you still didn't know why they were filming? Yes, and I'm like, can you guys help me? And that? you never asked? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think I asked, but I wasn't listening. No, you probably didn't I ask. I was more convinced in my, of my story. Most happening. of us would likely not have asked. Yeah, it yeah. just felt like we need to know. Yeah. That we should already know what's going on. Yeah. And you, don't to, you don't want to look like an idiot. At this point, I'm too afraid to ask. <laughs> That's right. That's so yeah. great. Yeah, so I couldn't find my hostel. I was lost for 30 or 40 minutes until they finally were like, that way, turn that way. Oh, and I'm my like, goodness. I'm like, oh, that way? Oh, okay. It was like a game for them. <laughs> yeah, it was. And then when it was over and I was finally in my hostel, it was an exhausting day. And I'm like, that was fun. That was definitely fresh. I'm kind of excited to see what else Japan has to offer. And, and now that I was at my home base, I was feeling better, more confident, you know? And then I woke up in the morning. Actually, they woke me up in the morning. The guy that ran the Were hostel. They in your, in, oh. No, they, the guy, he woke me up. And he's like, these people out here waiting for you. Like, what? <laughs> oh and I go up there God. and it's the same people, the same group of people. And I'm like, what is going on here? And they're like, this is a TV show. Like, you agreed that we would follow you while you were in Japan. And they were going to follow me the whole time. The whole, like, and week did. and a half. Well, they didn't actually. You know, oh, I could okay. get to that. That's actually my fault. And that's also a funny story. But um, at first I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. Because it just was so weird and fast and sudden. And then I'll never forget this dude that was there. And he was like, he's like, look, man, if you don't want them to follow you around, just tell them to go away and they'll go away. But how often does this happen to people? And I thought about it and I'm like, well, this never happened to me before. Well, and you probably felt obligated. Yeah, there was a sense of obligation. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but 
the obligation was like a secondary feeling over I could be on TV. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm going to do this. Yeah, and then they followed me around, and it was crazy. I used to do funny things, like um, (laughs) the camera guy had to always film me no matter what. That was his job. And so... I would, I would mess with him on purpose because all of them didn't speak English except for the one translator. So I would just like, they'd ask me these like really deep questions about parkour or why I do it. And I'd go into this like philosophical um, interpretation I have, you know, and it would get deep. Like I get, typically I get like really connected to my heart when I talk about this. So I'd express, you know, how it helped me conquer my fears and all these other things. And then she would just be like, you know, you could see that she was touched. She's like, oh. And then she'd try translating it to everybody. And as they're all listening, they're all like, oh. I'd hear them making little sounds. I'm like, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. But, the cam- but I'd wait for the cameraman to be distracted because then he'd start listening to what she was saying. And then I'd just run. I'd just run away as fast as I could. And then this dude, every time I turned around, this dude would be like right away. He was like, he was like <laughs> sore to lose him. And I'd climb up over buildings and I'd jump over things and he'd try to like... Film me while was I was he, doing was it. Was he also... He wasn't climbing stuff, though. He was trying to. Dude. With you a huge, somebody, heavy camera, man. You needed somebody recording the camera guy. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been priceless. That guy was way cool. <laughs> yeah, he was in... He was, like, dedicated. I'll give wow. him that much. And, awesome. and it wasn't one of those little, like, small cameras. This is, like, one of those big TV ones that, like, look like they weigh, like, 80 pounds or something. And they're probably, you know, so expensive. So if you drop it, it's like way too much money but this guy would follow me i remember at one time at rainbow bridge where i did it for the second time i knew that he was ready for it and he was on me like i couldn't lose a dude but it was a ton of fun and at the end of it even though we couldn't speak the same language i felt that when we talked to each other because he would just talk in japanese and i would talk to him in english it felt like we understood each other it was so hard to explain and then we'd high five like instinctively it's like i said what i wanted to say he said what he wanted to say and without looking at any body language cues we just both High five, like we knew what we were talking about. And it wasn't a Dumb and Dumber one where you missed? <laughs> Maybe. Those might have happened. <laughs> oh, that's really great. Um, so, so was there anything else that really memorable inside of Japan? Well, they kept pressuring me to do every bloody 10 or, f- 10 or 20 minutes. They'd be like, are you going to do any parkour? Are you going to do any parkour? Are you going to do any parkour? It never stopped. There was never any moment of rest. And so I was constantly trying to find new places where I could just, you know, jam. I could do like a session or I could come up with a movement line or whatever. Mm. Uh, because every time I did it, I'd always attract a crowd of people. And then these people would want to get their photos with me and stuff, um, which was kind of a dream of mine. So you're while. a bit of a celebrity out yeah, there. Yeah, there's like these little kids be like, we want to get your photo. In fact, it was a kid that I almost destroyed because I, I did this front flip and he came running out of nowhere. And I saw that he was coming. So I untucked at the last second. So I'd land on my back. So I humiliated myself in front of a big group of people, but I didn't destroy this little child that yeah, was running right. through, right? And when they saw me, they're like, oh, and then they wanted to get their photo with me. So I got a photo with them and I'm like, it's oh, so cool. And, you know, I'm, I'm big time. And then uh, I remember one day on the Rainbow Bridge right next to this like museum that they had where there's like this giant Gundam, you know, those big like giant yeah, yeah. robots that they have. Um, they wanted me to do parkour again. And I'm just like already feeling pretty haggard because it's been three or four days of this. And I looked at this jump and this jump, oh, it was so foolish of me. I looked at it and I'm like, I don't know if I can make this. I feel like it might be too big or I might be feeling too rough right now. But they kept being like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just holding the camera just like, we're ready. We're ready to film you do this. And I'm like, okay, fine. Let's just do this. And I went for it and I didn't make it. <laughs> I did not make it. I smashed my knee right into the edge of the concrete. And 
when I pulled my pant leg up, there was a huge gnarly gash, like just a laceration. There was no like destruction of like my joints or anything, but I got cut really bad. Yeah. And then it just started pouring blood down my leg because it went right to the bone. It was just like, it was a deep cut. So they're like, uh, they were not expecting me to hurt myself. Did you have insurance? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely I did. I would never, no, never. See, Nick at least gave me enough, you know, foresight to yeah, plan yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah, well that's good. No, I had insurance, but they, we're like, uh-oh, this dude is okay, a huge liability now. <laughs> yeah. They're like, they got me a little Band-Aid, and they put it on my knee, and they're like, Daijobu, and then I never heard from them. Just, they just, disappeared. Well, they asked me for all my footage that I took, because every now and then I get them to record things on my GoPro uh, from my Instagram feed. But um, they asked me for my footage, and then that was it. And then they told me later on, about a week or two later, they couldn't air the episode because I hurt myself. And, and it was just like this big legal thing, and I'm like... I was so devastated. I was so choked. I felt so betrayed. I'm like, you guys are supposed to be with me while I traveled around Japan. And I was, t- and then I went right back into my old way of thinking. I couldn't, I didn't want to leave Tokyo because I was injured and I was hobbling around. But I was also trying to convince myself it wasn't that serious. So I didn't need to go to the hospital. Right. So I didn't wait until eventually I had to go to Bangkok. And then I got super infected deliberately by the Bangkok hospital because I went to one of these hospitals there and they started sticking these iodine things into inside of my knee. I have a video yeah, of it. Yeah, I remember so that, gnarly. that video. That was, um, that was nasty. It was nasty. Actually. Yeah, deliberately got infected and then I was hospitalized for a week. So I went from like crazy high to like... Woo. In Bangkok. In Bangkok. Of all places. Of all probably, places. probably would have been better to do that in Japan. I, yeah, man. It just was a great example of I should have done something sooner about this instead of, you know, living my emotion of being like sad or lonely or justifying justified yeah i had this racket going where i was like it was their fault for me getting hurt right so i shouldn't do anything about it i shouldn't do anything about it until it's like i have to (laughs) yeah man so um you had uh i mean i i love that story i love um what it created as as like the the next path in your journey there was a big leap that you took uh, inside of uncertainty and, and, and you played there. And, and I know from speaking about it before your trip and, and after your trip that there was a lot that you grappled with, that you grappled with before you were going and that you're, you mentioned that you're grappling with as you were there and, and then what happened in Bangkok. And in Bangkok, there was a few things that happened in Bangkok that um, just kind of reinforced probably a white... I shouldn't have done this. Mm. Why am I here? Mm-hmm. In doing your trip and in looking at it now, what was that thing that it did for you? Uh, there was a almost like a, a, a new a new birthing of, of you as a person when you came back from that. What died and what what got replaced in that trip for you? I want to say this. You guys can censor this if you want, but I think Bitch Patrick died. Bitch Patrick? Bitch Patrick died because Bitch Patrick was always bitching out on everything because it was always too scary. Right. And, I um, that journey. Oh, God. You don't, I don't even, did, I ever, did Dad ever tell you that story about Italy mm-hmm. where I refused to go to the hospital because I was scared? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what an embarrassing moment. Because you were to do that on your own. I was supposed to do that on my own. That's right. And you're and like, I, I can't do, do it on my own. Yeah, and my dad so was bitch, not impressed. Bitch Patrick died. Bitch Patrick died. Yeah, I was, I was always afraid and I never liked taking risks. And uh, in a large part, parkour helped me with that because parkour is inherently about facing your mental barriers. Uh, but this was a huge mental barrier because this was like, 
I had to do everything on my own. And then I was, I was in a place where there was no one to help me. And I even remember wanting to give up a bunch of times. And I even remember talking to you on Facebook and you were telling me, don't give up, just keep persevering, keep pushing through. And every time I did, I was like, oh, I'm so much, I'm so glad I made that decision instead Great. of just quit, yeah, yeah. you know? Um, and that's what it was. It was like, I can do this. Like every time I fail and I didn't give up and I tried again and again and again, eventually I would find a way to succeed. And it would be this amazing experience. And I grew from it and I just felt like I'm maturing as an adult. And I started really realizing that I can do this, you know? Yeah. yeah. What a great example of what it can look like when you just step in inside of uncertainty do the thing that you are most afraid of and then witness what happens when you do mm. and that it might not actually go the way you want it to go oh, or the yeah. way you have it idealized in your mind but that there is something huge in in growth for for you as an individual for all of us as an individual that happens when you step in yeah so so great um i'm just gonna Yesterday, I, I did my first improv class, but but not really. Like acting improv? Im improv. Cool. Improv, yeah. I'm actually doing that today, this afternoon. Are, are you? Yeah, kinko nuts. <clears throat> I went to uh, Loose Moose, and uh, for the most part, uh, other than some exercises they did at the very beginning, I, I just sat um, in the theater watching and observing. For those same reasons, mm. well, if I do that, one, I don't know what I'm doing. And if I do that, I might look silly, which is I, I, idiotic and ironic because that's the whole point of improv yeah. is to be as outrageous as possible. But your programming is to always look good no matter what. That's right. And, <laughs> and so I, I kept myself safe. Yeah. Now, I will go there again. And, and, and it, is a, um, it is a process. So, so really um, what I hear in, in, this, in this episode and the biggest takeaway for, for everybody listening is like, there's a thing that you're uh, really curious about, interested in, want to know more about, and it is a process, period. Mm -hmm. It is always a process to get to wherever it is that it will bring you if you allow it. But that, and that's it. So just embrace the process. And the crazy thing is like just touching on what you said about, you know, it might not go the way you expect it to or the way you played it out in your head. It might like end up as like a spectacular failure that like pushes you on a totally different path that you realize was what you wanted to do the whole time. And you had no concept of it. It was totally off your radar. You didn't even know that you didn't know about it. But because you had this great experience or this maybe not so great experience trying something new that made you uncomfortable, it like sent you off on a totally different direction that mm. otherwise might not have happened if you had never at least tried. Yeah, yeah. Or you might have failed and then learned and from that learning lesson continued and you know, eventually maybe it does conceptualize the way that you wanted it to. Um, and that's just exciting, you know, thinking about it now. Totally. So uh, if somebody wanted to reach out and connect with you, how would they find you? Um, probably on Instagram. Um, and what's your Instagram you know, handle? Uh, it's Blinkered Biggie. Blinkered Biggie. Or you can find us on just Optimal Movement. Uh, and that's generally the best way of getting a hold of us. Uh, or you can email us at stunts at optimalmovement.ca. Um, yeah, and that's generally the best way of getting a hold of us if you're interested in any of the stuff that we talked about or learning maybe about movement disciplines or how to reclaim sovereignty over your body. Um, it's a big community in Calgary and it's growing every day. And yeah, it helped change my life for the better. So yeah, yeah, that's so great. Try it. 
Well, um, thanks so much for, for coming and playing. Um, we'll have you again when we have some more people here. And uh, Just to like add my little input. Absolutely. Well, you, you've always got something really great to, to contribute. So. I have a podcast talking about Flat Earth. <clears throat> well, we'll, <laughs> we'll see what that looks I'm like. Just kidding, dude. So uh, thanks for listening. Have a great Saturday. We'll see you next week. Cue music. Me, 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 me.